Sup everyone, Paul Clark here. Sup Paul. November 11th, 2022. I am almost 50 years old. So fitting, this is the 50th episode of the Sup Paul podcast. Welcome. In this episode, we're talking with Katie Wood, a physiologist from Ontario, Canada. She's an equestrian. She's an adventurer. She's a paddleboarder. An interesting conversation is afoot. Interestingly enough, this is actually recorded as a Instagram live feed. So enjoy. Welcome. Let's do this. Here we Katie. go. <laughs> Where are you at, Katie? Oh, I'm in Ontario right now. I'm uh, just sitting outside my home in Guelph, and uh, it's too beautiful a day to sit inside, so I'm just out here doing some work with my tea. <laughs> I like your style. And so I'll, just, <laughs> uh, I'll have you introduce yourself here in a moment, but uh, the reason why I've invited you to be on this first Instagram Live, which will be a part of the Sup Paul podcast, is because I was inspired by your boldness and your bravery uh, you were part of a river sup clinic hosted by bow valley sup in canada david manning uh maggie mills and ryan hamilton were all part of that so uh, i met you i was inspired by your boldness and learning how to do that and then following your instagram afterwards i see that you really are a adventurous person if you can't <laughs> find someone to hike with you're going to do it and you're going to celebrate being capable and independent yourself so without further ado, Katie, introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? <laughs> well, thanks very much. I am, uh, so Katie Wood, I am a physiotherapy resident now, no longer a student um, from uh, Ontario. So I grew up in the Corthos, about two hours north of Toronto. Um, and then the last 10 years, I've been living in Guelph, did a couple degrees at the university here, and then went to the University of Toronto uh, for my physiotherapy degree. And I am an yeah, avid uh, outdoors woman. I um, grew up an equestrian, so I competed in horseback riding, um, specifically in a, a competition known as eventing, which is kind of like a horse triathlon. Um, and then, yeah, last few years, I've just kind of been bit a little bit by the outdoor spirit. Um, I've taken up a lot more hiking, uh, bought my first paddleboard a few years ago, and then just kind of dove headfirst into that. And then the last few months, I've been out in Alberta, actually, on my last student placement, which is where I really got introduced into the whitewater side of paddleboarding. So <laughs> that, that bug bit me a little bit, too. So let's go right into the, the river paddleboarding part of it. I'm going to talk more about uh, other elements of your life. But given that I really try to be a voice for river paddleboarding, people being introduced to it, people who are more advanced into it. What was the attraction to you? Why did you see a river and say, hey, can you paddleboard on that? <laughs> so, I mean, initially, like I'd been paddleboarding just flat water for a few years, got my first um, paddleboard, you know, just like a Canadian tire, you know, $400 something or other and <laughs> taught myself for the most part on that. And, you know, started getting interested in the idea of touring, like being able to go on and do overnight uh, trips on paddleboards. And the one thing about touring is that if you want to go long distances on flat water, it's, it's a lot of work and it's just kind of boring sometimes. Um, you know, you have fun when you get to the sites and, and all of that. But, you know, it, the idea of being able to do rivers um, and being able to do like moving water and travel further distances really was attractive to me. Um, and so when I actually got this placement in Alberta and decided to go out um, to do that like that three month stint, I, I was looking into different courses in the area, knowing that paddleboarding was a little bit bigger out there too. 
And I stumbled across Bow Valley Sop, you know, shout out to Ryan Hamilton, David Manning, Maggie Mills, those wonderful people. So I immediately signed up for their intro to River Sop course, not knowing what to expect at all. And, and it was amazing. They were so incredible. It was, you know, a really nice introduction to just practicing some eddy turns, getting used to dealing with current, getting used to just being able to feel moving water and feel the difference between that and flat water paddle boarding. And so that a little bit of a bug, a little bit of a, okay, this is, this isn't bad. This is kind of fun. And I, my main goal was just to get confident on moving water, but then decided to step things up a little bit with the encouragement, mostly of Ryan and David. Yeah. Um, and so Bow Valley happened to have their intermediate sub course the next weekend, <laughs> which in my mind, I was kind of thinking, oh, well, this is, I'm probably not ready for this, but it's kind of a once in a lifetime thing. So I'm going to do it anyway. And I, I spoke to Ryan at the intro course and I said, like, is it safe? Should I be doing this? Like, I, I want to do it, but am I going to die? And he's like, nah, you'll probably be fine. <laughs> so I signed up for it. And then I ended up doing that course the next weekend. So that was just like, it was a two day course um, between the Bow and the Kananaskis River, learning a little bit more about like actually doing some different elements, actually playing with, um, some rapids a little bit um and and just working on a little more of the whitewater skills and it was like the first day i was absolutely terrified and i was kind of like am i even good enough for this am i good enough to go back for the second day but then the second day it was like it was amazing you were there the group had so much fun um just you know playing in the little stuff but just getting used to it and just getting your feet wet quite literally <laughs> and then from there yeah it just grew so i um really again credit to Bow Valley. They were the ones that really supported me and, and got me into this. But I started booking some sessions with uh, David Manning. Um, he took me out on my on my touring board, actually, which is a bit like la driving a limousine on a river. Like <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the best, but it, he took me out on that on um, on the Bow River, did a lesson on that. And then we did a few lessons on the Kananaskis as well. And he was just fantastic instructor amazing and and i had been renting boards up until then but then i i took the dive and i bought my first river sup from hala yeah um i bought a, a hala acha and i brought it home with me so yeah we're gonna continue this journey and a couple of things that you said in there that i want to talk about one ryan's comment of yeah i think you'll be fine go do it uh <laughs> that uh that type of vague encouragement is sometimes really necessary. The, the river is a dynamic area and you can't guarantee anything. You can't guarantee safety, you can't guarantee fun. Had you had any river experience, moving water experience before taking these, uh, these courses on your paddleboard? Oh, absolutely nothing. I did not grow up on the water at all. I grew up on horseback. And so I was like, I was used to challenging myself and I was used to being, um, you know, competitive in that way and, and, and being athletic, but I had never been on moving water before. And you just thought, well, I'm, I see it, that it's something that's there and so I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, how did exactly. You into, how did you get into paddleboarding again? That was the tour on lakes in Ontario. Yeah. So essentially like back in, I don't know, whatever it was, 2018, 2017, something like that. I, I paddleboard was growing. I had seen a couple articles on it. I thought this looked really fun. Um, and I just went and bought like the discount, you know, the Canadian tire, which is our, um, like Canadian, you know, general supply store. Um, it, but like a Costco brand, you know, paddleboard. And I was sure. like, yeah, let's, let's go. And then I started going out on local lakes. I started pushing myself a little bit, doing some longer tours. Um, a couple of years after that, I bought a proper touring board from Red Paddle. 
mm-hmm. and uh, then started pushing myself to do some overnight trips. But the, then, yeah, then I just, I was like, what's the next step? Okay, the next step is moving water. Let's go with that. And you, you went to one of the, the epicenters of river paddleboarding in North America. I, I work in the industry. Uh, I represent river paddleboard brand, Hala. Uh, I'm in the Southeast right now in Asheville where river paddleboarding is a thing. The, the Pacific Northwest, where I'm from, it's a thing. But the Canadian Rockies, the, the West Kootenays, you were in the area where you have people like David Manning, Bo Valley, Rita Boychuk. Rita mm-hmm. is one of those people who are putting a lot of uh, people on the water in safe ways, confidence. The, the community is growing. So you were there. You probably couldn't avoid it. And now you're a yeah. river paddleboarder. Exactly. Uh, and thank you so much for that. And a part of the series that I'm doing right now really highlights the fact that I believe the future of river paddleboarding is female. Women are taking courses. There is a curriculum out there that they're following. And one thing that I think is really fantastic about river paddleboarding is that it is you yourself piloting your own craft. If you're a whitewater kayaker, you might be in a position where you need to have other people around uh, to be watching, being safety, whatnot. In fact, the river ethos is more people the merrier for safety. But you're a little bit different. Uh, I don't know if you've been paddling solo on the river, but you've definitely been hiking solo in the mountains. That's not always the most common. I don't find the most common. Uh, Your social media has been really highlighting your solo adventures. And you told me, and this is one of the reasons I really wanted to reach out, you told me you got some backlash for being a solo adventurer. Can you tell me a little bit uh, more about that? Yeah, so... um... A lot of it just had to do with this mentality of I don't I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for someone else to give me permission or for someone else to say, oh, yeah, OK, now I'm finally free this weekend to to have these experiences. And so kind of the default is, OK, you know, put on your big girl panties and we're going to do it <laughs> ourselves <laughs> because, yeah, otherwise you miss out on so much just because adults lives are busy like we just don't have a lot of time to meet up and coordinate and you know and and like I love my friends but they're even then like you're not always going to have someone that's guaranteed to do the things that you want to do so that was a big step towards the solo thing in terms of the backlash like yeah I've gotten it in person I've gotten it online um where people say oh you know this this is really irresponsible of you um oh my gosh you you should really be more careful like something's gonna happen this is really unsafe like this is mostly just yeah people blaming me and thinking that it's it's really irresponsible for me to do these things and I'm not necessarily disagreeing like obviously it is riskier to be solo and especially to be a solo woman out there um but at the same time, I'm not really one to live my life behind those fears. Um, and I'm, I'm as safe as I can be. I, <laughs> I take precautions where I can, you know, like when I was on the trails, I was definitely carrying bear mace. I was very vocal, like, you know, the normal bear safety of like yelling every few minutes, I would sing atrociously very loudly to, you know, sometimes people would come around the corner and I'd apologize, be like, I'm so sorry you had to hear that. <laughs> But, you know, that telling people where I'm going, make sure I have a plan that everyone knows that like, okay, I'm planning to, you know, leave the trailhead at this time, it should be a two hour hike, I'll be back by this point, had my emergency beacon on me most of the times, especially if I was in a place, you know, where I knew I was going to be out of service. Um, So yeah, like trying to make it as safe as I can. But at the same time, not letting those fears and those doubts hold me back from the experiences that I want to have. 
Who typically is the person who's giving you the negative feedback in those? Are they, is it a gender? Is it a demographic? Is it your friends? Is it strangers? Are they strangers? Yeah, I mean, random people that you meet hiking for one, they all seem to have opinions. And I would say not, not so much a specific um, gender, but an age group, like definitely older individuals, people who are um, not specifically to quantify a generation like, say, boomers, but just people who are in their 40s, 50s, a little bit, maybe grew up in a more traditional time where it's, you know, you go out as a, as a pair, you do things as a pair, and seeing a, a female, you know, without a partner without someone there to you know be a group like just just kind of taking her own um initiative to do these things was maybe a little off-putting for some people's you know stigmas that they had in their head of what they should be seeing for the, the people who are watching this instagram live uh have have comments are you solo travelers yourself are you motivated by solo travelers uh, we definitely want to to read your comments and maybe address those when I began as a paddleboarder about 10 years ago, I was really intrigued by the fact that you could go as a single person to a wilderness spot. For me, it was a lake in central Oregon, but I quickly realized that if you're gonna do multi-day trips on a paddleboard in central Oregon, in Oregon in general, it's gonna be on the rivers. So I had a pretty good reputation right off the bat as being the duffel bag paddleboarder. I was going to Alaska in the open water. I was going to Panama in the open water, Ba in the open water. But once I got onto rivers, people were like, nope, you don't know anything about rivers. You need other people. So I got a lot of backlash for being a solo river paddler uh, to the point where my reputation kind of tanked because I was demonstrating, according to a, a larger river audience, irresponsibility. Have you been able to put your river paddleboarding into a solo experience? So um, not as of yet. And I'd like to. Um, that a little bit was more just because I, I was still very much in the learning phase um, and I had no whitewater experience to begin at all. <laughs> so, yeah, as of right now, like I've done a few lessons with David, which have been amazing, you know, incredible. I have um, done the, the courses with Bow Valley and my plan for next year is I want to plan a couple trips. So I there's a couple nice rivers that are popular canoeing destinations um, in Ontario here. One like more sort of the French River is a very um, traditional canoeing hub, kind of class one, two rapids, but uh, easily portageable if you think that there's something going to be too much for you or the water's too low or whatever. Um, and then maybe the Sand River, which is up north a little bit closer to Lake Superior. It comes off of Lake Superior, the north coast of Lake Superior. And that one, again, is, is known to be, um, yeah, like a nice introductory river can be a four or five day trip. And so mm -hmm. these are things, these are things that I have planned in my head to do next year. And yeah, like I am very open and I'm not, you know, like the, obviously there's always like some fear because you'd be dumb if you didn't have any, <laughs> but I am very open to planning these experiences, definitely reaching out, doing my research, making sure that I have as much safety as I can going in. But then, yeah, like that's, I don't want to be held back by waiting for someone else to go with me to do that. These are things that I want to do and I don't necessarily need to wait for someone else to give me permission to do it. So yeah, they haven't done any yet, but they're in the works. They're being planned. In Ontario, unfortunately, there aren't as many sites um, that for fall paddling, just because, you know, like the Kananaskis is lovely because it's dam controlled, so it can go year round. Here, we're a little more reliant on um, just, you know, spring, spring paddling is bigger. And then, you know, 
um, there's a few bigger rivers like the Ottawa is a perfect example that you can go for longer. Well, Katie, you articulated being solo and responsible really well. And I encourage people to, to follow your Instagram because I think it's motivating. Uh, you have an interesting style of editing, a lot of little flash cuts that show <laughs> you in lakes and on rivers and on the, the top of mountaintops and uh, often with uh, mixed audio of motivation being by yourself and in fact your your reel today talks about introducing yourself with a little uh, jay-z <laughs> on the background yeah you're an, you're an equestrian you're a paddleboarder you're a, a hiker uh going back to your your roots as an equestrian talk about a little bit about that yeah so i mean that was my main sport growing up, I grew up on a farm. My parents bred horses, so it was very natural for me to just become a rider. Um, I competed quite a bit, so in this sport that's called eventing, which is, yeah, it's it's a bit like an equestrian triathlon, and the mentality of it is that we're about as crazy as triathloners as well. <laughs> um, it is one of the more dangerous equestrian sports because there are higher risk of fatalities and injuries just by the nature of the sport. Um, the one phase, so the, there's three phases, the one phase cross country, um, it's getting better, but traditionally the jumps were, were solid obstacles. They don't fall down. So if you think of your traditional, like what you see on TV, the horse jumping, when they hit the poles, the poles will knock down. So, you know, the momentum gets put into the pole and, and typically there aren't too many falls or, you know, injuries. If a horse hits a solid jump, you can imagine that amount of momentum will either flip the horse or like send you off in some random direction. And so that can be really dangerous. And I've had my fair share of rather scary falls as well doing that um which you know maybe equestrian in general isn't really thought of as this like you know badass high energy sport think people think it's kind of posh and prissy but um but yeah it does it does really breed in this mentality and this grit like it breeds grit into a lot of people that do it because it's not an easy sport um when I got in through university and I was um, just, you know, off on my own and spending more time with school, uh, it went to the wayside a little bit. So I haven't competed in a few years, but I just do mostly um, stuff for pleasure now, you know, and, and a little bit of fox hunting on the side. Fox hunting? Yeah, yeah. Again, sort of people picture this very traditionalistic British, um, you know, society high society type thing but you know it's really it is really quite fun like it's you get to see the countryside you get to really enjoy nature you get to um really experience the hounds working which is fantastic to see because they are just such an amazing working dog to to watch and to witness um and yeah and it's it's just that's really fun so i really enjoy that and my family's been fox hunting for you know four generations so <laughs> it was a rite of passage i had to do it at some point um, but partially too, I took a step back with the riding a few years ago, just because of a car accident that I was in. So I had to, I had to, um, take a little bit of time to recover for that. So you are certainly no stranger to individual activities, riding a horse, you're piloting your own craft. If a, if a horse exactly. is a craft. The parallels uh, are amazing actually. Oh, I imagine. And, uh, my buddy, uh, Cammy Swan, she comes from an equestrian background where she actually does gymnastics on a horse. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when she's a river, I mean, when that translated into river paddleboarding it, you know, you can see that equestrian stance in her. So yeah, you, you're, you're, you're informed from an early age about being brave, uh, uh, you know, in a moving environment by yourself. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And fox hunting. What? Fox hunting. I don't know anything about fox hunting. So that's just that. Uh, 
find people out there, everybody who's watching this, find people who do something different than you. We, we have a tendency to, to find our own tribe, which is great, but finding people who are doing something different and learning from them, that's what this hopefully uh, will become. You mentioned your car accident. Yeah. What's, mm -hmm. what's that story? And how did so, that derail your life for a little bit? Yeah, that was a big story. And for a long time, I kind of identified it as this car accident victim too. So that's that's been challenging to overcome. But so that was back in 2017. Um, I was heading on a highway outside of Guelph, um, you know, going going to the barn after work. I was a waitress at the time. Um, I was doing my master's. So I was right in the middle of my studies. Um, and yeah, I was going up to the barn to ride my horse. And another driver crossed the center line and just hit me head on. I had no time to respond. There was another driver in front of me who had time to ditch his truck. So he actually rolled a few times. But then I just kind of saw this truck ditching itself for some reason. And then right in front of me, there was another vehicle. So I had no time to respond. I don't remember most of the emergency scene type stuff. Um, I was diagnosed with I had a pretty bad concussion, um, you know, a few broken bones. Most of my, like, kind of half my chest <laughs> was broken, my collarbone, um, lung punctured, you know, a whole shebang. I was in hospital for a few days. Um, and after that, you know, the orthopedic injuries, like the bones and stuff were, they, they would have healed. They did heal. Um, but the concussion side of things really derailed my plan at that time because I had been trying to get into veterinary school actually um, and that's how, why I'd been doing this this master's degree was so that I could get some research I could apply to veterinary school I could get in hopefully to be a veterinarian but because of the concussion and all of the cognitive symptoms and the vision symptoms and the the memory systems and like um, and and like the symptoms with focus and everything I had just so much trouble committing myself to my studies for a, a long time. So basically everything that I wanted to do got very abbreviated into something small and manageable that I could at least just get it done. And so after that, you know, the whole vet school dream kind of, kind of petered out and I was left a little bit with, okay, what, what do I do now? <laughs> Where am I left to go? Um, and so yeah. So, and I took, it took a long time too to, to get out of that mentality of being, okay, I'm a car accident victim now I'm injured. I'm broken, you know, because not, not all, I would say the, the insurance system in Ontario is amazing because it does give you access to a lot of care, like physiotherapy and, and psychological services and cognitive services, vision therapies, that kind of stuff that you need. But it does unfortunately produce a bit of a victim mentality in the way that it's structured. And so I was kind of caught up in that for a few years and it took me some time to kind of work myself out of it and figure it out. I worked as a vet assistant for a while, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And eventually I decided, you know, with the encouragement of my employers at the time, I decided, okay, let's, let's pivot, let's figure out a new path. And that's when I applied to physiotherapy school, which has been, I think the best decision. And I think that this is probably a better career path for me as a person than vet would have been so mm -hmm. you know a little bit of one one door closes a window opens um obviously hindsight's 2020 you don't know it at the time but i've gone through did my two years of veterinary or sorry of uh, physiotherapy school so now i am um, a resident physiotherapist here in ontario and that has been such a huge part of my own growth and my own recovery too and now i'm hoping to pass that on to my patients, pass on those experiences, pass on, you know, that knowledge and that determination as much as I can to help them through their journeys as well. But personal experience to inform your treatment with patients. That's, that's wonderful. How, how is your body now? 
no, I mean, we still have, I still deal with a lot of chronic pain. I still deal with headaches. I still deal with vision issues, you know, um, just left over from the brain injury. So those are all still present in my life, but I no longer identify with those as, you know, those being who I am. Those are just mm-hmm. things that I experience. I used to have those as kind of identifiers. Those were kind of labels to me. And mm-hmm. now I've, and I don't, I can't tell you when this mental shift happened, but I feel like I've moved past that point. And now those are just things that I experience and I deal with and I manage, but they are not who I am. If that makes so sense. The, the, the victim was not on your Jay-Z reel today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. No, and it's just, you know, for a long time, too, like, that was a big part of my life. And in, in, in conversations when I was introducing myself, somehow I'd, I'd, a, the car accident would come up. But, um, you know, now there are certain situations where it's still, it's still relevant, and I talk about it. But um, for the most part, it is not something that I identify with as this is who I am. It's more just this is an experience that happened to me. Wonderful, Katie. Again, well articulated. Uh, remind me how old you are. I'm 28. 28. Yeah, 94, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) Uh, A a world of wisdom in in those relatively short years. (laughs) So tell us uh, your social media handle. Uh, So it's Physio Outdoors, um, or at at Physio Outdoors, um, which I I changed recently. Just, you know, I used to just be my name. But yeah, I kind of wanted to embody that that persona a little bit, at least on social media. Obviously, we all know, you know, the the glimpse you see on social media is not the full depth of who someone is as a human. But I really wanted to encapsulate the experiences of, of being outdoors. And from a physio rehab perspective, and just a, you know, a health management perspective from for the populations, how beneficial that can really be. So that's, that's what I've been trying to highlight that and and the, the solo stuff has been really what I'm trying to highlight in my social media. You consider yourself a content creator. I do think you have a unique style of editing. You do bring cameras with you, GoPros, phones, etc. You mount them in, in unique ways. Uh, you did have a crash reel, I think, uh, recently where you were falling <laughs> into the lake as you're setting it up with the, the concept of reality versus uh, what's on Instagram. Yeah. How does your story and how does your behavior uh, change knowing that you're documenting the experiences, your solo experiences, that you're you know, in a position of influencing or motivating other people? That's a great question. I think a little bit of why I started to um, document that stuff and and try and share it a little bit more is because I do travel solo quite a bit. and I I had gotten quite a lot into solo adventuring and I wanted to share it. I wanted to be, you know, when you're on top of um, a mountain and you're at this beautiful lookout and you see this, you know, absolutely gorgeous landscape spread out in front of you and you're alone. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little bit, you know, there's that little voice in the back of your head saying, oh, well, this would be really nice if there was someone else to kind of reminisce about this with and, and kind of really, you know, um, mirror the emotions that you're feeling in that situation. So, yeah, mostly it started as a way to try and bring my family and friends into things that mm. I was experiencing. That's what I really wanted to get out of it. Um, I still don't really think of myself as a, a content creator because I think 90-something percent of my followers are still probably just people that I know, friends, <laughs> family, stuff like that. Um, so more, I think it's because I really want to be able to share these experiences and, and motivate the people that I have, I love and the people that I know and the people I have a connection with. Um, but that being said, if it grows beyond that and if it spreads to other people, um, 
you know, feeling inspired and feeling um, like they've gotten to share a little bit of that emotion or a little bit of that, you know, that wonder or whatever, when, when I share these things, um, then, you know, that's, that's fantastic. The more the merrier. The beautiful thing about social media is that, you know, it is kind of, you know, this big, vast chamber that you can just yell into and it, and it can go as far as it, it wants. So I'm, tr that's why I really try and send these, you know, messages of, you know, positivity, determination, grit, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, and just um, try and really relay the benefits of these, you know, these experiences and getting outside so that more people maybe feel inspired to do that as well. Wonderful. And I think that's great. Instagram has become this, I don't want to call it a cesspool, but we're bombarded with a variety of other messages that take our time. And uh, so I'm, I'm really glad whenever I see a post of yours, like, oh, what's she up to? Uh, what, type yeah. of, uh, what type of positive comment is uh, she presenting, including your drive back? to yeah. Ontario from Alberta. Like you, you had all these spots that you were going to camp and paddle at, but mm -hmm. then it rained and then it rained some more and then it, it never was, stopped raining. Uh, it was a complete contrast to what today is because we are now well into November and it's like 16 degrees out and beautiful and sunny. And the beginning of October through Northern Ontario was just horrendous weather. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, plans got derailed. I had this wonderful epic trip planned. I was going to do like four different camping trips kind of throughout at these different very, um, you know, very well-known Ontario sites that are just, you know, these, these milestones of achievement to say that you've, you've done this, you've been here, you, you, you went there, but it kind of, it shrunk a lot more than I expected it to because at some point it's not fun. <laughs> I don't mind toughing it out. I don't mind, you know, um, dealing with the elements, mother nature, things that get thrown at you because that's, that is just life. And at some point you have to deal with that. But I was electing to do those things. And if I was just going to be cold, wet and miserable for two weeks, it's not as much, it's not as much fun. <laughs> and the <laughs> forecast, you know, it's one thing too, if you have like one day of rain and then a day of sun and then at least you have something to break it up. But no, I would have, I, I did a few nights. I did do a few things and I did a few nights outdoors and just my clothes just never dried. <laughs> So that there are a few things that I want to revisit and a few things that I've tabled for potentially next year, maybe earlier, like later September or something where I could try and revisit these places, try and actually kind of, you know, do that trip that I had planned as intentioned. Um, but we'll save that for another day. Save for another day. And I always like to use the river and river paddling as a metaphor for life. And you already mentioned the term that I use a lot is pivoting. Uh, when you're in a, a flat water paddle where you see your destination many miles away and you just paddle straight that entire time, uh, that's like watching your, your bonds portfolio grow over time. <laughs> but on the river, you're always changing. I couldn't be a road cyclist. Uh, mountain biking, for sure, where you're just changing and you're affecting uh, the, or the, the, the terrain is affecting your decision making. I love rivers for that. I love mountain biking for that, being in the, in the woods for that. And I think mm -hmm. I really do better in my own life when I'm able to pivot and change on a regular basis. So for me, the river really is a metaphor for life. Uh, what type, you, you mentioned earlier some of the rivers that you're looking to paddle next year. What type of moving water is near you? Where will you have the opportunity to paddle over the next couple of months? So yeah, so a few different places. Um, I'm in Guelph, so the Grand River is one that is um, 
the most commonly known through southern Ontario. Um, that being said, certain sections might still be paddleable, other sections are just going to be too low and you're just going to be probably wading through mud for the most part. Um, and then, yeah, like we'll see. In the spring, there's a few places like, um, so close to my parents is the Kawartha, or my parents' cottage is the Kawartha Highlands Provincial Park, and the Mississauga River runs through there. So that's one that it's like, you know, a two-day trip. You could do it in one. It'd be like a maybe 10, 12 hours if you wanted to do it. Um, that's one that I'm hoping to do in the spring when the water's a little bit higher. Um, I did go and look at it a few like last two weeks ago but it's just like it's just really low right now um and then yeah we'll see like there's actually a group that i've connected with again love social media i posted on a whitewater page like does anyone do stand-up paddle boarding in ontario and within a few hours i was part of like a facebook book chat with four other people and half of them know david and the other half know ryan and <laughs> and um yeah, and so hopefully connecting with them a little bit. There's the Ottawa River um, that's a couple hours north of where my parents' cottage is, so that might be a few weekend trips as well. The Ottawa is a, is a famous river. I have not been on that side mm -hmm. of, of Canada, uh, but my buddy Julie Lang goes up there all the time. Uh, the godfather of river paddle boarding, Dan Gavir, is up there. Apparently there's some fantastic, amazing water at certain times of the year up there. So I think that should be a destination for uh, both uh, river paddle boarders and, and white water paddlers in general. Absolutely. And then the... I don't know if anyone has ever really attempted to paddleboard it or if that's just, you know, a crazy thing, but, you know, might try. Um, about half an hour north of my parents' cottage as well is the um, Gull River Whitewater Preserve. And that is an actual, like, it's a course. It's an 800-meter course. Um, there's kind of two sections. There's from the dam down to the waterfall, which is a slightly bigger section, and then from the waterfall down um, is a slightly smaller section. And so, yeah, I might, I might spend some weekends in the spring and just go up there and try it out see what happens see if anyone yells at me but <laughs> uh mama k2 i just mentioned that the only white water she's paddling in canada is the ottawa with dan gavir and harmony his wife uh a weekend event so yeah there, there's definitely events and activities up there mm-hmm uh, in the last few minutes that we have, I know that yeah, you're running off here. Thank you so much for your time. What advice do you have uh, for people who are looking to get into the wilderness, but they find a lot of obstacles, psychological obstacles, uh, as a barrier? Obviously, going solo if you need to, minimize that risk with responsibility, but what else do you have? Yeah, so that's a great question, too. Um, I'll probably fall back on my physio, the physio side of things a little bit and just say like progressive overload is kind of our, our go-to, our bread and butter. As physios, we always say, okay, start with what you can do. If you've hurt your shoulder and you want to get to exercise or if you're running and your ankle, you've, you know, you've rolled your ankle or you're dealing with some shin splints or something, start with what is tolerable. So if you can go out and do a two-mile run, start there, do a two mile run for, you know, a couple weeks and then build to a three mile run and then build to a four mile run. If you're trying to learn how to weightlift, you know, pick up uh, like, you know, 200 pounds off the ground deadlift, you don't start with 200 pounds. You start with the barbell, you start with 45 pounds, you work on your technique a little bit and then you build from there. Maybe you add five pounds the next week, maybe in the next week you add another five pounds. And so from a adventuring standpoint, same principles apply. Start with what is 
potentially a little bit outside your comfort zone, potentially pushing you a little bit, but you don't have to jump from never having done any outdoor adventures, never having paddled, never having, you know, gone solo anywhere to suddenly saying, I'm going to go do 20 miles up a mountain today. <laughs> that's a big jump. So start with something that's a little more reasonable. Maybe you do a, a hike that you know is fairly well traversed. There's going to be a lot of other people there within the range of what you feel comfortable doing within a amount of, you know, distance and elevation that you know you can handle. See how it goes. And if it feels amazing, then do a few more miles the next time you're out. And then the next time you're out, maybe plan something a little bit more. Maybe go to a place you've never been before. Maybe go somewhere a little more remote. But just build your confidence level from there. Because if we always stay in our comfort zone, we're never pushing the boundaries. We're never growing. So always at least be trying to stick within the rim, kind of playing towards the outside of your comfort zone. And then all of a sudden, your comfort zone goes from here to here to here. And suddenly, you do way more than you ever thought you could. Manageable goals and, and challenge your comfort zone without going too far at, uh, at the initial moment. I've said it again. Well articulated, Katie. <laughs> and it's actually uh, Kristen Thomas uh, who uh, runs the SUP Connect Live that mentioned the comment that she paddled with Dan and, and Harmony up in, in Canada. So she's also in an inspiration. I do think that the, that the future of river paddleboarding in particular is female. And it's been wonderful meeting you and talking with you and learning about your growth in, in life and also seeing your enthusiasm for running rivers on, on a paddleboard. You know, that's, that's dear to me, so I'm glad uh, that more and more people are doing that. I'm hoping more and more people will, will follow you on Instagram, like Kristen Thomas just did, and, and see what's capable. And especially if you're not like me, I'm not familiar with equestrian, you know, that's just a, it's, it, it's, it's, social media is an opportunity to be exposed to things that uh, you wouldn't normally. So you're one of those people, I think, who are uh, one of those one of those uh, one of those people who could show the world new and novel things with boldness and creativity. So <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Katie, for being a part of this, my first Instagram live that will be a part of the Sepal podcast series. Is there anything that you want to say before we wrap up? No, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was, uh, I was a little bit surprised <laughs> to get the invite, but um, no, it, this has been great fun. Thank you so much. No, oh, my pleasure. The, 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 the people that I've had on my podcast, and I've been a little slow on my podcast uh, lately for the last few months, have been people like Chris Morgan, who you know, runs Big Class 5 Whitewater, or Peter Hall, the owner of, of Hala. Uh, so I'm looking to actually broaden the voice, people who are just beginning, people who have a unique story to encourage and show that it's possible for a lot of people. So mm -hmm. Thank you for being one of those people too, Katie, and I'll talk Bye. to you later. Thanks. Bye.